What caused the most deaths in 2021? The Manhattan DA that doesn't want to put people in prison? Joe Rogan on Getter? The U.S. Mint honoring a guy we talked about on this show. Does the U.S. House panel on January 6th really want answers? All that and more on today's Random Thoughts Podcast. Welcome to episode number 169 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. A very happy 2022 to everybody. This is the first show of the brand new year, and hopefully it will be another interesting year like 2021. We have a lot to cover on today's show, including the anniversary coming up tomorrow, which will be January 6th. So depending when you're listening to this tomorrow, January 6th, the anniversary of the Capitol riots, the Capitol insurrection, whatever you want to call it. And there's a lot of stuff going on around this, a lot of media coverage, of course, all of it to make Donald Trump look bad and not to get to the truth. The House has a committee on the events of January 6th, and that's where we're going to start today's show, which is the fact that this House committee, not really interested in giving you the truth about what happened on January 6th, they only have a political agenda, like so much going on in the country. This isn't about truth. This isn't about justice. This isn't about getting to the heart of the matter. It is about nothing but a takedown of Donald Trump because people on the left are afraid that he's going to run for president again, and he probably is, and that is what this is about. Last night on the Bill O'Reilly program, he had on Cash Patel, who was the Pentagon chief of staff under Donald Trump, and he was subpoenaed, called before this January 6th, House committee. And what do you think they asked him about? Do you think they actually asked him about the events of January 6th? What was leading up to it? What his opinions were on how Donald Trump handled this? You would think the January 6th commission would be interested in knowing what happened on January 6th, but this is what Mr. Patel said actually went on. Uh, You would think the January 6th committee would ask me questions about the January 6th matter, but the bulk of the interview did not have anything to do with January 6th. But we spent more time talking about Afghanistan, Somalia, Iraq, and Secretary Esper and Gina Haspel than we did on January 6th. So the January 6th committee not really that interested in what happened on January 6th, or for that matter, what happened on January 5th. When Donald Trump sent the request in through the Secretary of Defense for National Guard troops to be on the ground on January 6th, because Donald Trump saw that it was going to be a large turnout and wanted to get in front of any issues that may happen. And Mr. Patel was asked about 
that day when Donald Trump requested that the National Guard be sent into Washington, D.C. for January 6th. And this is what he said. Yeah, I was in the Oval Office when we had that conversation with the President of the United States and the Secretary of Defense. And not only was it 10,000, it was 10 to 20,000, whatever was necessary anywhere in the world. And as you and your viewers know, that's required under the law before any National Guard can be deployed. So the question then becomes, why wasn't the National Guard deployed? Why were they not brought in? And this is his answer to that. The second part of the law. The second part of the law demands, requires that a mayor or governor or United States federal agency has to request the National Guard before its deployment. It requires presidential authorization and a request from Mayor Bowser in this case or the United States Capitol Police in this case. And we went to them before January 6th after getting President Trump's authorization. We said, do you guys need National Guard men and women around the Capitol? Mayor Bowser and the Capitol Police said no in writing to the Department of Defense before January 6th. There was then a discussion of how there were 300 National Guard troops there. They were basically acting as traffic cops, which is why you didn't see them positioned out front of the Capitol building itself. But then the question came up, was Nancy Pelosi at all involved in not having the National Guard there, in denying the National Guard being there? Because her name's come up quite a bit in this particular instance. And this, according to Mr. Patel, was the role that Nancy Pelosi played. Well, the United States Capitol Police reports to Nancy Pelosi in the chain of command. So she would have to have been informed and decided with the United States Capitol Police to refuse President Trump's authorization for National Guardsmen and women. So it's it's logically the only way um, it could have happened. So do you think the House committee is asking about Nancy Pelosi's involvement in the January 6th riot, the January 6th insurrection, whatever you want to call it, due to her denial of having the 10 to 20,000 National Guard troops that Donald Trump authorized on the ground in order to keep things sane, to keep order on the ground, to keep people from getting out of line, to protect the law and order that this country needs. No, they're not asking that because they're not interested in the truth. They are only interested in taking down Donald Trump. They are not interested in getting to the bottom of why things happened the way that they did. And Donald Trump was set to have a press conference on January 6th to discuss who knows what. And he has now decided not to do that. So a very good choice, I think, from the former president to step back, let these things play out, and don't give Joe Biden a lifeline. If you're following any of the polling, People are not happy with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris across the board. Do not let the media point to Donald Trump again. Let Joe Biden sink his own ship. Let Kamala cackle her way right on down as the ship sinks. This nation of law and order, as we've talked quite a bit about, when you do not enforce the laws, you have issues. Now, in New York, it's going to be a very interesting start to 2022 because they have a new mayor who is promising 
to go after crime. And we'll see what kind of a job he does. You have to give him a chance, just like we said with Joe Biden when he came in. You have to give him a chance to see what they're going to do once they get into office. Because we know there are different phases to this political landscape where you have the, I'm going to promise to do this, this, and this. You're trying to get elected. And quite often, what you end up doing, not the things you said you were going to do. Some people do. Donald Trump overall, if you go back, and look at his campaign promises, he followed through with more than most. Joe Biden, no, not so much. Joe Biden belittled Donald Trump in his response to COVID and said, yes, if I get in, I'll have a plan. I'll take care of everything. I'll save everybody. If I get in, I'll destroy COVID. Yeah, what did Joe Biden say the other day? Oh, there's no federal answer to COVID. (laughs) Yeah, Joe. I think everybody knew that when you were bloviating about how you were going to fix COVID. You doddering old idiot. Not the truth. But this New York City mayor, we'll see. I think anybody, I don't really care if you are a normal and logical thinking conservative or liberal i think you understand that the laws still have to be enforced in order to keep your city from going completely down the toilet now the manhattan district attorney is a guy named alvin bragg and as we've talked about quite a bit in the past you look at who supported these district attorneys who funded them when they were running, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody out there that Alvin Bragg got a million dollars from George Soros, which helped him get elected as the Manhattan District Attorney, is now calling for no, for zero, pre-trial incarcerations, except for the cases of homicide and some other what he's calling exceptional cases. The quote from the release says the office will not seek a carceral sentence other than for homicide or other cases involving the death of a victim, a class B violent felony in which a deadly weapon causes serious physical injury, domestic violence felonies, sex offenses in Article 130 of the penal law, public corruption, rackets or major economic crimes, including any attempt to commit any such offense under Article 110 of the penal law, unless required by law. It says, for any charge of attempt to cause serious physical injury with a dangerous instrument, ADAs must obtain the approval of an ECAB supervisor to seek a carceral sentence. So at the end there, what that means, for any charge of attempt to cause serious physical injury with a dangerous instrument, that means you had a gun, you shot at somebody 14 times, but you missed, you have to ask for permission to hold this person pending the trial because you missed. I mean, you suck. You can't even hit somebody, but that's what that is saying. And you wonder why there's more crime on the streets of New York than ever before. It's because you're letting the violent criminals back out on the street because we do live in a country of innocent until proven guilty 
But the reality is it takes so long for some of these cases to get into the court system that even if you have a video of somebody shooting the gun, we're just going to let them out. We're going to let them out because we don't know. They haven't been convicted yet. And, you know, the courts are really backed up probably because of COVID. But there's this whole equity thing going on. And this is very inconvenient. I did think it was interesting that one of the things, one of the carve outs for holding somebody prior to their trial for this ultra liberal district attorney, Alvin Bragg, was major economic crimes. What do you think that means? Yeah, like CEOs and stuff. White collar crime, because we're afraid of those guys walking the street pending their trial. Somebody who built somebody out of a few million dollars. Yeah, they're dangerous out on the street. But the guys committing the violent sexual offenses and shooting at people. No, they're fine. Let them out. Let them out. Well, go after the people that are the white collar crimes, because those are the one we're afraid. Your average citizen, go ask them who they're more afraid of. Bernie Madoff or a gangbanger? I think you'll get the same answer no matter who you ask. But this is the state of the world. This is the state of New York City. This is the state of Chicago. This is the state of California, where insanity is ruling on the streets. But I think people are getting tired of it. I think people are waking up to it. I think people are understanding more and more what is going on and the types of people that are in charge in these cities. They buy the votes. There's no question about that. That's what this whole Build Back Better thing was about. We're seeing people being silenced all over social media. If you dare question what's going on. We talked about in one of the last shows about the new gun law in Canada where the Canadians are like, ah, screw you. We're not turning in our guns. But when it comes to the Twitters and the Instagrams and all that, there's also a change going on. There is a new site. I guess it's been around about six months. I had never heard of this site. And it's another one in those same long lines of the parlors and the gabs where it's basically a Twitter clone. There are free and open versions of Twitter out there, as we've talked about many a time, which are Mastodon servers, which all federate, so they all talk to each other, including the one that I use, noagendasocial.com. There's a lot of them out there, which are smaller instances that all talk together, so it takes away the power of any one general person one general group of being able to turn you on, turn you off, allow you to speak, not allow you to speak. But this new site called Getter, and I still, what's with this? Are we not beyond naming things and just dropping vowels? I don't know. But Getter, G-E-T-T-R, is another new Twitter clone. And the only reason it's in the news is because Joe Rogan is starting to get a little bit more fed up with Twitter. He created a Getter account and posted a message there saying, join me on Getter. He posted that this was just a hedge in case things got even more insane than they are now. 
on Twitter. I don't know what else you're waiting for, Mr. Rogan, but okay. The interesting thing on Getter is the fact that Joe Rogan already has, the last time I looked, it's probably up over this now, but the last time I looked, he already had 8 million people following him on Getter. So there are some accounts on Getter at this point. But since Joe Rogan posted that he was over there, 545,000 new people signed up for this particular social media in just a matter of days. So there's no question that Joe Rogan can bring some people over to a service. Whether this is really going to matter, I don't know. Because what this still seems to me to be is that social media is going to fracture itself into basically two groups. One that is pretty much on the left and one that is pretty much on the right. And the two shall never meet, which does it really do anybody any good? Because at that point, you're doing nothing but preaching to the choir. You're doing nothing but getting an echo chamber. Everybody always wants to hear that what they believe is true. We've talked about that a lot when it comes to the vaccines. Anybody that is anti-vax, any story that's out there that says somebody might have gotten injured or died, whatever, from a vaccine. Yay, my side's right. And then anybody that sees an article that says, as I did the other day, where a hospital system here in the Chicago area said 90% of the people in the hospital were unvaccinated. And of the 10% that were in the hospital vaccinated with COVID, most were immunocompromised or had other major comorbidities. Now, the people that are pro-vaccine are like, yeah, you see all you morons. And nobody really changes anybody's opinion because the people that are anti-vax and think it's totally horrible don't want to believe anything positive about it. Now, there are some people, rightfully so, that understand the vaccines cause side effects, but also understand that it's doing good. But if you're on the side that's just completely one or the other, you're not changing anybody's mind. You're getting into an echo chamber then with the social media outlets where the concept that people are going to be able to have genuine, meaningful conversations with people that disagree with them, that's just not going to happen. The current climate we're in now, I don't see that happening. Everything is just so politicized. The legendary Betty White finally passed away at the age of 99. That is a pretty good run. But of course, now I don't know who started this. I'm assuming it's somebody that was anti-vax or somebody with just a real sick sense of humor. But of course, immediately, news started spreading around social media that Betty White just had a booster shot two or three days before she passed away. You see, boosters are bad. And her people came out and said, well, no, that's not true. And Betty White lived 99 years, almost 100, just a week or so shy of 100, and was not political, didn't want to be political, did not want the things she do or things she did 
to be viewed in a political manner. So cut it out. And people that just can't get beyond that, that will use anything to try to prove their point. That's where we're at. And it's horrible because it really does kill decorum. It really does kill the ability to have a conversation with somebody on the other side. But I think it's important that facts are pointed out every now and then. And the year 2021, it was another interesting one. But a website, worldometers.info, tracks all sorts of interesting things. And I did not have the ability to go in and fact check all of these numbers. So if anybody wants to point out that these are wrong, feel free to reach out to me, Darren at randomthoughts.com, and let me know how these numbers are wrong. But according to worldometers.info, in 2021, causes of death, the top causes of death were we had 1 million people died of suicides. I don't know if that's up or down. I guess I could have done the research on that. I'm sure that COVID hysteria had some kind of an effect on a million people killing themselves in 2021. But, you know, that's a pretty decent number. 1.3 million people died worldwide in auto accidents. To me, more auto accidents than suicides. That's understandable. I would hope that would be the norm. 3.5 million reported for covid now this is a number that people can and i'm sure will argue with reported numbers and i'm fully with you on this one i do not believe that every reported case of covid deaths are actually deaths caused by covid even anthony fauci has admitted now anybody going into a hospital because they have to test them all Well, they don't have to, but they do. They test people coming in to see if they have COVID. So if you were in an auto accident, you know, and you had an arm cut off and they admit you into the hospital to do surgery and let you recover and you just happen to have COVID in your system as well, well, you're a COVID patient. You're not a patient that came in with a limb severed. I mean, you're both but you're being counted under the COVID numbers. So you can argue this 3.5 million COVID. Could it be higher? Doubtful. Could it be lower? Sure. That would be my take on the whole thing. So 1 million suicides, 1.3 million auto accidents, 3.5 million COVID. Then they list 5 million smoking related deaths, which I think is interesting. Because next on the line is 8.2 million people died of cancer. Now, I don't know if there's overlap in there, how they figured that one out. But it would seem that smoking, way more dangerous than COVID. People still smoke. People don't wear masks around people that smoke. I'd like to, because I can't stand the smell of cigarette smoke. But I mean, if you want to smoke, that's fine. I don't care. Just go far enough away from me and I'll be happy. But it would seem that more people died in 2021 of smoking related illnesses than they did of COVID. 
And just as a, a tangential thing here, we were running a couple of different little diffusers over the holidays. And I'd like to run these things because peppermint oil, I love the smell of peppermint. So you throw a couple drops of peppermint oil in some water. It's a little ultrasonic device and it shoots the stuff into the air like magic, which it's a much healthier way to get a scent into a room. Candles put out all sorts of carcinogens. You're burning stuff. It's bad for you. So if you want to make your room, your home smell nice, but you don't want all of the bad stuff going into the air, or at least less bad stuff going into the air, this is a great way to do so, is a diffuser with a little essential oil. Now, the amazing thing is you can take one of these little devices and set it up, and in a few minutes, almost the whole house you can smell, in the case of peppermint especially, you can smell the peppermint. One level, two levels up, a couple of rooms over, you can smell the peppermint. You know why you can smell the peppermint? Because it's aerosolized. This little device sitting on the lower level, within enough time, you can smell it upstairs. Why? It's aerosolized. What is COVID-19? It's aerosolized. Which, again, masks, we're finding out, especially the cloth masks, do not work do almost nothing, if not nothing, probably make things worse, if I had to guess. A decent surgical mask, if fitted properly, may give you a little bit of protection. A N95 mask, if fitted properly, could probably give you a decent amount of protection, but does anybody wear them? Form-fitting enough to actually work? No. Nobody out on the street, anyway. But I digress. We've talked about million suicide, 1.3 million auto accidents, 3.5 million COVID, 5 million smoking related, 8.2 million cancer. And there is one more thing on the list, which is uh, 42.6 million abortions happened in the year 2021. 3.5 million COVID deaths, 42.6 million abortions. I think if you want to be afraid of something, that later one would be where I would go as a society. The numbers to me are just staggering. Already this year, about 517,000 abortions worldwide. The Pope was pretty clear what he thought about this, and he's not a guy that I particularly agree with on a lot of things, but Joe Biden's going to have a lot to answer for. I think when he gets to the pearly gates and I don't think it's going to go well for Joe. I think his approval numbers up there are going to be just as bad as they are down here. But there is some positive news going on in the world. I talked to you back on episode number 124 about a guy named Andrew Rube Foster who was the guy credited with putting the Negro Leagues into operation back in the day. The guy that had more effect on baseball than most individuals. And he's a guy that not a lot of people knew about, which is why I did an episode where I talked a lot about him. Well, 
the United States Mint is releasing this week, at least for pre-orders, I believe, a brand new set of coins which celebrate the Negro Leagues. And it happens that Andrew Rube Foster's picture appears on the $5 gold coin. So I think that's a pretty cool thing. I think that is a pretty cool thing. And it's something I bet Rube Foster would have never imagined the world could move this far in that direction. And it is one hell of a tribute. And the guy, among others, is well worthy of being embossed on a United States coin, a $5 gold coin. Pretty cool. And you could order those if you're interested in such things. Just check out the U.S. Mint. But also, I mean, I couldn't believe I didn't mention this when it happened, because I think I've talked about Minnie Minoso and Buck O'Neill and how the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown was no Hall of Fame at all because they had not been inducted in. Well, in December, both of them were inducted into the Hall of Fame, unfortunately for both, after they had passed away. But it at least, in some sense, is a wrong that has been righted because Minnie Minoso and Buck O'Neill were two legendary characters who both dedicated their whole lives to the sport of baseball. And when it comes to the Hall of Fame, that's always been my question. I mean, is it Hall of Fame or is it Hall of Stats? And a lot of this is still political, which explains why the great Dick Allen missed out by one vote in this past committee voting, still didn't get in, still makes the Hall of Fame a lesser organization until they allow Dick Allen in. But at least Minnie and Buck have gotten in. Minnie Minoso was a guy, absolutely one of the most fan favorited here in the city of Chicago on the South Side. One of the nicest guys you could have ever met. And I did a quick search on the Random Thoughts podcast. We're getting so many years into this now. I can't remember exactly everything we've talked about, but I thought I had talked about making a couple of mini Minoso prints, just printing them out at Costco on the poster size paper, taking a couple of old photographs, colorizing them, making them into posters because many would sign quite a bit at the ballpark. So I had my parents bring the posters and I printed out three different sets. I printed out a pair of the posters for myself, printed out a pair for my parents, and I printed out a pair to give to Minnie. I'm like, if you're going to go get these things autographed, he's nice enough to autograph them at the very least. Maybe he'd like these, give them to somebody, whatever. And my parents brought the posters, got them signed. Minnie really liked them. And rather than just passing the word along through them, tell your son thanks, Minnie gave them his business card, wrote his cell number on the back, and said to have me call him. And I had a very nice conversation with Minnie Minoso. About 10, 15 minutes, he mainly wanted to tell me how nice my parents were and how much he enjoyed the posters. And it was just a pleasure to be able to get a chance to talk to 
Minnie, because he is a legend here in Chicago and a guy that should have been in the Hall of Fame many, many years ago, just like Buck O'Neill should have been in the Hall of Fame many years ago. So I'm glad that that right has been wronged. Unfortunately, neither Minnie or Buck are here to see it going on, but I think they're both looking down from baseball heaven and are proud that their names will finally rightfully be in Cooperstown alongside all of the rest of the baseball legends. And before I thank the people who came in today and supported the Random Thoughts podcast, I just want to try a little thing here, a little uh, experiment and say to my buddy, Bandrew Scott, why did you have to mention Veronica Mars as something you watched in 2021? It's a show that my wife and I have never watched. I was aware of it. And since you mentioned it, we started down that rabbit hole and watched like seven episodes yesterday. So I curse you, Bandrew Scott. But so far, the Veronica Mars show, very interesting. It is like a modern day Nancy Drew. It's very much like Pretty Little Liars, Bandrew. So if you've never watched Pretty Little Liars, you might like that. And I might have to relook at Pretty Little Liars because they jumped the shark at like season two or three or four or something. I remember jumping off the train. We'd never made it to the end of the Pretty Little Liars train. But Veronica Mars is very much in that vein to me because it is set in a world that is just a little bit off. There's a lot of things going on in the world where you're like, I don't think that's really realistic. But once you give in to that world, there's some great storytelling going on. And I think I've just been watching too much stuff like FBI with Missy Paragerm, where it's very realistic, at least the world that it's in. I mean, to be fair, the usage of computers and stuff like that in Veronica Mars, way more accurate than FBI, where the FBI, they're always just like, oh, they can instantaneously do facial wreck and they can follow somebody around the city and they can track people in ways that are just crazy that I didn't find realistic at all. In that way, Veronica Mars did a better job. At least it's doing a better job. And I think we'll get through this one. It seems like a pretty good series. I will report back if it really jumps the shark at some point. But Kristen Bell, Kristen Bell, Kristen, I think it is. Yeah, that uh, not a bad show. I think she's a much better actor. I don't think we've ever seen her in anything. I was aware of who she was and that she was an actress and that she's married to Dak Shepard. And I'll say she's a much better actress than Dak Shepard is an actor and and way hotter too. So thanks for the recommendation, Andrew. And yeah, this is what podcasters do. Sometimes we just talk to each other through our shows. It's way easier than just reaching out to him direct. But I do want to thank some people who came in today to support the random thoughts podcast. This is a value for value show, which means we put them out there. There's no paywall. You get to decide if you got any value out of the show whatsoever. And if so, You can put a number on it and send that to us in a variety of ways. The easiest is going to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com slash donate. Click the donate button to do a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to do a crypto donation. 
You can use the P.O. Box address if you want to go the snail mail route, or if you're using a podcasting 2.0 app, you can do it that way. You can boost us right now. You can send us a boostergram, all that sorts of fun stuff. If you don't know what podcasting 2.0 is, check out the list of apps that'll get you there by going to newpodcastapps.com. But coming in today, the first donation of 2022, Stu Coates with his $6.66 donation, which somehow brings us luck. I appreciate that. And that's a monthly donation, which is also greatly appreciated. All four of these today are monthly donations, which helps us keep the lights on. Everything sounded good. And it's all very much appreciated. Stu Coates with the 666, our buddy, Sir Truck Driver with $5. And he comes in and splits it four ways between this show, the rock and roll pre-show, the unrelenting podcast that I do with Gene Nevtuliev and the Planet Rage podcast that I do with Larry Blydner. So thank you, sir. Truck driver Brian Janak in beautiful, sunny Wisconsin comes in with his $5 a month over on Patreon, as does Dennis Woods. $5 over on Patreon, where there's no extra content or anything at Patreon, but it is. That's another option for you. If you're on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash random thoughts and you will find us there as well. But we appreciate everybody that has donated over the last few years, everybody that has given us their time to listen. I know there's a lot of different podcasts you can listen to, and it is an honor that you're listening to this show. Somebody else this week, I think it was Vox, said that I reminded her of Paul Harvey, and not the first person to say that, and that is a big compliment Somebody else that I reminded them of Rush Limbaugh. Now, I, I will take the Rush Limbaugh paycheck. I'm sure I would take the Paul Harvey paycheck as well. But we're just having fun doing these shows, and we appreciate you giving us your time to listen to them. Hopefully, you're getting something out of them. If there's anything I should be covering that I'm not, feel free to reach out, Darren at randomthoughts.com, D-A-R-R-E-N. Or hit me up on Twitter, Darren O'Neill. Hit me up, Darren O'Neill at noagendasocial.com. Or I'm on Getter now, too. I don't know how you get on to Getter. Well, just get on to Getter, search my name, you'll figure it out. I will be back next Wednesday for some more fun and excitement. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 